Hi, I'm referee Mark Fralick. Thanks for joining me today for episode 47 of the High School Basketball Referee with Mark Fralick podcast. I chuckle a little bit because that is just one paragraph and it took me like three takes to try and get this the right one between between my dog making a noise and the outside noises and me messing up. We, we finally got that paragraph down, so that's good. <laughs> hey, um, over the summer, I was part of a basketball clinic in Columbus, Ohio, at suburb of Bexley at Capital University, and I struck up a conversation there with a gentleman named Jose Davis of the Steubenville, Ohio area, which is located uh, right next to the West Virginia border. Uh, in fact, Jose is a member of the West Virginia Ohio Basketball Officials Association in Eastern Ohio. Uh, you know, when, when you look at what we do as basketball officials, we go into a pregame, and especially if you don't know the person that you're with, the pregame is there so you get to know your partners. You get to talk to them either during the JV game or, or um, in the pregame before the game. And so while we definitely want to talk about the game and what things to expect, the pregame, uh, the game, you know, while we're out again uh, during the JV game gives us an opportunity to learn a little bit more. So the pregame section in today's episode really, I think, epitomizes the one aspect anyways that a pregame should include, and, and that's to get to know your partners. And in this case, we get to know about, about Jose and what you'll hear uh, about Jose is really unique. I haven't had a guest like this before. Uh, Davis's journey uh, went something like this. He was a two-sport athlete, uh, basketball and football at Kent State University. And then he went on to play two seasons in the Canadian Football League and then six seasons in the Arena Football League. And uh, he, you know, he has some awesome stories about his experience. And so we did talk at length uh, in the pregame about this. And it, it, you'll notice it's a little bit longer than, than normal. But, you know, to hear the stories, hey, it's football season right now anyways, right? And so uh, he'll, he'll have some stories for you about football that I think uh, you're going to really enjoy. And we, we intertwine some, some basketball stuff in there as well. So uh, I think you're going to enjoy not just the pregame but the entire episode. Uh, he's in his eighth season as a high school basketball official. And he's, he, last year, he worked his first Final Four state tournament, boys basketball tournament, at the University of Dayton. So he's really excited about that. He talks a little bit about that as well. Um, he is married with a couple of children. Uh, he was the high school football coach at his alma mater, Bel Air High School, for uh, seven seasons, and also at Bel Air St. John's for two seasons. Uh, he's currently employed at the Jefferson County ESC, working at the Alternative School, which is located in Steubenville. And uh, he also has what he calls uh, side gigs. And uh, so he trains quarterbacks and wide receivers, uh, which I thought was really interesting. Um, he's broadcasting high school games on the local TV station, and he also coaches travel basketball. So I think Jose needs a little bit more to do. My goodness, he's a busy man. <laughs> Um, hey, remember that uh, this uh, High School Basketball Referee with Mark Fralick podcast, we have a new email, and that is hsbasketballrefereepodcast at gmail.com. Again, hsbasketballrefereepodcast at gmail.com. Feel free to um, uh, email me questions, comments, suggestions for future guests, uh, whatever it might be. And uh, the email, of course, it can be found in the show notes uh, for this episode, or you can also find it at anchor.fm backslash mark dash fralick again uh, like last episode there's an opportunity for you or your business 
to sponsor one or more of the seven segments that are in each episode. Uh, You can hear some of those uh, segments throughout the podcast spoken either by me or uh, or the individual that uh, would like to do the sponsorship. So it is a perfect opportunity, really. You're reaching uh, a wide variety of people in a lot of different states, and you can utilize 30 seconds to either have myself or you on the audio to promote your business. So if you want to have more information on that, again, contact me utilizing that new email address. And of course, our major sponsor continues to be PQ2 LLC. And I thank the company and owner Matt Kearns for his continued support for the high school basketball referee with Mark Fralick podcast. Um, As I mentioned before, you know, Matt's a high school basketball referee in Ohio. He's been one for 36 years. Uh, He's a member of Trumbull County, Portage County, and the Lake Erie Basketball Officiating Association in Northeast Ohio. Matt's a longtime friend basketball officiating mentor to many people including myself and you can learn more about his company at pq-2.com if you haven't already please remember to subscribe or follow the podcast uh, in whatever platform you're utilizing Uh, after you do that the podcast platform will hopefully send you a message informing you of the new podcast episodes that appear every time they appear and i usually like to do that on friday mornings And of course, if you're not able to sponsor a segment, you can certainly support the podcast by going to anchor.fm backslash mark dash Fralick. And you can click on the support button from there. Please select any one of the one-time or monthly payment options. As always, thank you for taking the time out of your day to listen. Episode 47 with Jose Davis begins in just a few seconds. Well, as you heard in the introduction, we have a nice young official who's got some really interesting credentials, Um, and I'm real excited to talk with Jose Davis about um, his time in professional football, his time playing basketball at the D1 level, and uh, and really just about his officiating career, which is off to a fantastic start. So, Jose, thanks for taking the time to join me on the podcast. I appreciate you having me. Um, I had told you whenever I met you at Capital University that when you introduced yourself to me, man, your name rung a bell right well because I caught myself listening to your podcast last spring. <laughs> well, thanks. I, thanks for listening. I think that's great. So I'm <laughs> glad. You know, it's funny because uh, people say, you know, why don't you do a YouTube video and, and you know, have the interviews? I said, believe me, you, Jose experienced this first. I have a face for radio. So this is... Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, this is this is perfect perfect venue for me anyway. So, but no, that's great. Um, the podcast is broken out into the same segments that we've had before. We have the pregame first, first quarter, second quarter. We go into halftime, come back and do the third and fourth quarters, um, do a post game, and have our five quick decisions at the end, which are lighthearted questions. Um, before we do anything else, though, we want to take a little break. Uh, before we get into the pregame. Pregame is always great because we get to learn a little bit about the official that we're interviewing. Uh, But before we do that, we want to do this. If your day job requires engineering thermoplastics, connect with PQ2 LLC and have a thorough, candid, and honest pregame discussion about your next injection molding, extrusion, or blow molded project. Make the right call to PQ2 LLC. That's www.pq-2.com. Remember, you can follow or like the High School Basketball Referee with Mark Fralick podcast 
on both Facebook and Twitter. You'll find all of the episodes, and eventually we're hoping to add some additional content. In the meantime, find the links on the show notes, or you can go ahead and search for the podcast on those social media outlets. So, Jose, you and I met at the Capitol Camp, as you mentioned earlier. And for those who don't know that what that is, um, down uh, in near Columbus, in downtown Columbus in Bexley, I guess it's a suburb, uh, Capitol University hosts a uh, basketball um, uh, tournament, I guess uh, you want to call that, uh, over the summer months. And uh, the, the OHSAA, the Ohio High School Athletic Association, and the Ohio Association of Basketball Officials uh, get together and they put on a clinic for the officials. And so there's officials that come down and, and some of us are clinicians and some of us are participants. And you and I were able to meet down there this year and, and strike up a real nice conversation. And um, so uh, I think that's a, a good way to meet fellow officials and to see them work and to learn about a lot of different things. Um, talk a little bit, if you would, about that summer camp and some of the things that you learned from it this year. Well, I think you just hit the nail on the head on really what it's big on is being able to get there, um, be in front of a lot of clinicians. You know, you, you get your meeting credits while you're there. Um, you're able to see a wide range of officials and you're talking about from first year guys all the way to guys who are trying to crack and get over that hump and you know maybe their tournament schedule so you know i think the best way to learn as a new official to a veteran official is get out there and kind of see some different things hear some things from you know guys like yourself and and, and hear the little tidbits that we can all use to become better. Cause I think at the end of the day, that's what we're all trying to do um, when it comes down to it. So, you know, that was my second year attending the camp. Um, so, you know, it, it, it was beneficial both ways around, um, you know, to be there and, and be around the new clinicians and, you know, and obviously see some of the old ones that I saw before. Yeah. And, you know, uh, in the introduction, we had let our listeners know that you played college football and college basketball at Kent State University. Talk about the demands that that puts on your schedule. Well, you know, the physicality of both, you know, really was the one, you know, between physically and mentally. And, you know, I'll never forget going, you know, going to camp my sophomore year, um, and I go to camp in, you know, in, you know, I, I'm doing stuff all summer long. And then all of a sudden we go to camp in August. So we go through a, you know, a grueling season, you know, we finish three and eight and it just doesn't go well. Um, our head coach gets fired. Well, in the meantime, I roll right into basketball season hmm. and now take it. I had been there for months, you know, and it was my first time, like kind of, it was my first time being away from home, you know, outside of, you know, just, you know, vacations or you know being at a friend's house or whatever so it had been months since i've been home well at that point in time um i'm on the basketball team they're getting ready to take a trip to hawaii so they're playing in the hawaii Hilo classic that time for me was a time for me to be able to go home for a few weeks before they came back from their long trip mm. and then i would meet back up with them well, Coach Gary Waters, who was our head coach at that point in time, comes and says, you know, hey, Jose, you know, we would like to take you to Hawaii with us. <laughs> now, you know, so there's me to where I'm like, man, you know, because, you know, I'm 19 years old at that point. In time. I'm like, man, I really want to go home, but I can't tell them no for a chance to go to Hawaii and, and, and you know, and get a chance to play right now. So 
you know, so I go to Hawaii, you know, we make a, you know, just a long trip. I think we play at Northern Illinois on the way back through. And it's just a long Christmas. So I don't have a Christmas break. So it's just, we're playing throughout Christmas, you know, kind of, you know, not even staying on campus at that point in time. And then we get done with basketball and I roll right into spring ball. And at that point in time, we have a new head coach, Dean Peace, um, who came from Michigan State, who's now a defense coordinator in the NFL. Um, he comes in. So, again, for me, I am the starting quarterback as well. So I have to set a good example to where I need to be there. He's a new head coach. It's a, you know, some of the staff is new. So now we roll into spring ball. And spring ball ends. You know, we roll through um, into summer. So now, again, I have to stay up here for summer ball. Wow. So now it's summer ball. And, and I haven't even talked about, you know, when it comes to coursework and different things like that. So just the physical and the mental, you know, when people talk about it is a nine to five job, it is truly just that. It is a nine to five job. And you have to be mentally and physically prepared to endure that day in and day out. How many and, how many years know, did you do that? I mean, were you were you a four, so, four so, year so athlete? So it's crazy. Or? So I did that my sophomore year. Um, went through, you know, so we go sophomore football season three and eight. Um, we play in the basketball, um, and you know, and these are memory, you know, and like I look back now and I'm like, man, it was so tough or whatever, but man, I wouldn't change it for the world. You know, having the opportunity to, you know, even on the basketball side, you know, I played against Wally Zerbiak. Um, I played against Earl Boykins, um, Bonzi Wells. You know, I, I've had the opportunity to play against guys like that and, um, you know, and experience those things. And, you know, we lost in the semifinals of the MAC tournament um, to Miami of Ohio. Um, so having you know, the chance to experience those things. So I did that my sophomore year. Um, I planned on playing again my junior year. We had just come off of 0-11 season. And I started to play basketball my junior year, and I kind of went to him, and I says, I, I just can't physically do it. Yeah. Like, I need a break. We're coming off of just the worst season that we could have came off of. And, you know, we were I was highly successful in high school and just wasn't used to losing. So that took a mental toll on me as well to where just needed to step back and, and kind of take a break. So I started to play basketball my junior year and then I stepped back and didn't play. And then obviously, you know, we go into, you know, winter conditioning, spring ball. Um, I end up hurting my, my ring finger in spring ball, but you know, I had a decent uh, senior season and didn't end up playing my senior season of basketball. So you know, that's probably one thing that I regret was, was, was not, you know, finding a way to sit down and kind of gut out continuing to play basketball. Yeah, but that's a lot on your on your plate. It, really, it, it, it was, was a lot. It, it was a lot, plate. man. So you know, as you mentioned, or as we mentioned in the pregame, you also played in both the Canadian Football League and the Arena Football League. Really, I'm kind of uh, nerding on this. I'm it really is two of my favorite non NFL leagues. Quite honestly, when 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 I lived in Columbus for a couple of years, uh, many many years ago, and this will tell you how long ago it was, they had a Arena Football team. Um, the destroyers, yeah, the destroyers. The, the destroyers, right? And before that, that the destroyers were in Cleveland, and they were called the Lumberjacks, I think, or something like that. I can't remember, but but we went to some games in Cleveland and Columbus, and then but CFLs that's still on my bucket list. I need to get to one of yes. those games, but because yes. I love watching it on on TV. But talk about your your experiences with each league and and how cool that was. 
So, you know, so obviously, you know, I, I, I come through um, college. Um, I don't get drafted. I had a couple workouts, you know, whatever. But at the end of the day, you know, things work out the way they're supposed to work out. So um, Saskatchewan has my rights. Um, they end up trading my rights to Winnipeg. So I go to Winnipeg. And again, you know, you're talking about somebody who really hadn't been too far away. Um, yeah. At like 10 or 11 years old, I played in the AAU tournament in Florida, but that was with my mom there with me. Um, you know, I go to Kent, and that's only a two-hour and 45-minute, two-hour drive. So, you know, again, I just told you the story about me wanting to go home for Christmas. Um, so now, you know, as a you know, 20, 21-year-old, I am now flying to Canada. I'm flying out of the country, having no idea at that point in time anything clueless about Canadian football. Yeah. So, you know, I go there, and at the end of the day, I'm, I'm really just a camp filler. Um, at that point in time, um, Kerwin Bell, who played at the University of Florida, yeah. um, was a starting quarterback at that point in time. Um, Kahari Jones, who was out of uh, UC Davis, who is now a head coach in the CFL currently, um, he may be head coaching at Montreal right now. And then Brian Ayotte, um, who was the third string quarterback, who was returning from the year before, who played at Montana. So I was just the fourth string guy coming in you know, whatever. So I get there again, it's different. You know, I'm, I'm going through a cadence and these guys are in motion and, and I'm stopping because I don't have any idea what's going on. So they're keeping on running. I'm stopping. I'm like, what's going on? So it takes a while to kind of get used to the rules, understanding the you know, the intricacies of the, of the game. So we go to Hamilton for our first, um, our first preseason game. It's amazing how you remember all these things, yeah, right? Cause yeah. this is, you know, this is 22 years ago now. So we go to Hamilton for our first preseason game. Kerwin does not travel with us. Um, it's uh, myself, Kahari and Ayat. So Kahari gets a concussion. He gets hurt early. Well, Brian goes in the game, plays a little bit, hurts his knee. Oh my gosh. So I go in again, first time taking any true live reps and I go in and I actually do well. And I, you know, I do well enough to where, you know, they would have considered keeping me, but I ended up tearing up his knee. Kahari, you know, is only out a short amount of time, but at this point in time, like I'm a given third string quarterback. Like it just, it is what it is. So I end up kind of lucking into a roster spot at that point in time and, you know, being in Winnipeg and, and, um, you know, I was there for two years. Um, and then that's when I ended up venturing off, but to go back to even Winnipeg and just how small things are, um, Dave Ritchie was my head coach at Winnipeg and, you know, I'll never forget our first meeting in there. Um, you know, you're in our team meeting and again, you know, I'm 20, 21 years old and he tells you, look to the right of you, look to the left of you. So you do that. And I'm sitting there like, what's going on? He says, well, make sure you look at their faces because they may not be here tomorrow. Wow. And I'm like, man, so that, that's an introduction to the business side of professional sports. Yeah. So again, you know, I get lucky. I make it through. I, you know, I'm on a two-year deal. So I end up going back out there for my second year. Um, I have a great camp. I end up being the backup slash third string. We're kind of alternating. And um, my year is up at that point in time. And um, I talked to Coach Richie. Coach Richie had said that he expressed that he didn't want me to come back. Um, but the general manager had said, you know, listen, if you come back, 
you know, you're not going to be any more than what your position is going to be. You're not going to have a chance to really up. Now, as a competitor, you don't really want to hear that. Sure. So that's that's when I pursued the Arena League. Okay. Um, and ironically, what ended up happening was down here in Wheeling, uh, we had an indoor football team here. So I felt that it would be in my best interest to garner some film by playing in this league first. Mm-hmm. So playing locally, it was a way to kind of, for me to get my mojo back a little bit, get here and compete a little bit. So we go and do that. We play in, you know, the indoor league and I'm selling cars at the same time as I'm playing. <laughs> um, so we go, we go through, we win a championship. So back then, which this is 2002, so 2000, 2002. So now I'm taking these VHS, VHS tapes and I'm making my own highlight film. So like I got two VCRs connected, you know, I got the audio video things connected. So I'm making these tapes and I'm going through the actual true arena league site and I'm looking at depth charts and I'm doing all that. So all this stuff that a lot of these guys are doing now for recruiting purposes, I was doing that 20 years ago. So I'm doing that and I end up linking up with the Indianapolis Firebirds. They asked me to come out. Um, for a workout. So I drive to Indianapolis down here from Wheeling, um, to the Wheeling area, and four, four and a half hour drive. And um, a week or two into the season, they're in training camp. I get invited in for training camp, and I get ended up putting on a practice squad. And um, start quarterback gets hurt. You know, again, you know, it's, it's just, a, it, you know, as we all know, like a lot of sports is just an opportuni- opportunistic time. You know, it's whether you can take advantage of them. So I go and I start, um, I go one and one as a starter. I play well enough to get us a win in a game. Um, you know, I don't do as well in another game, but it's enough to kind of keep me on the roster and make a career out of this thing. So I do that in 2003. The coaching staff then leaves in 2003 mm. and then goes to Colorado. So now for me, this is huge because Colorado is owned by John Elway. Oh, I yeah. am a huge Broncos fan and I'm a huge Elway guy. That's what made me start loving the Broncos. So when they go out there, so now I'm on cloud nine. So they go out there, they take me along with them. They had had their starting quarterback out there already, which was John Dutton. Um, Nevada, played at Nevada, University of Nevada. Um, he and I became great friends. Um, but I go out there for two years. Um, 2004, I think we lost in the semifinals. Um, 2005, we ended up winning a world championship in the Arena League. Um, I was the holder on the game-winning field goal. Wow, cool. um, so you know, those are things and experiences that I'll you know I'll, I'll never take back. And um, you know, the best part was being in the locker room and Elway going through and giving everybody a dap and really knowing my name. When he says "Good luck, Jose," that was enough for me because <laughs> he knew my name. He's going through and he gives me a fist bump and he tells me "Good luck." And, you know, just to be in that environment and, and to be able to, to be able to do that was, was ecstatic for me. And, um, and then obviously bounced around a little bit from there. Grand Rapids in 2006 had labrum surgery in 2006, um, 2007. I, um, I went to Kansas city, which was owned by Neil Smith who played for the chiefs. Um, uh, and in 2008, I ended up, I finished up my career in, um, with the gladiators i think i maybe played you know six to seven games and and that would have been it but you know those are experiences that i'll never i'll never never take back and always something i can always tell well you know it's, it's interesting Go, just going through and hearing about 
all of your experiences that you have. You know, when we get together as basketball officials um, before a game, we that, this is exactly the kind of things that we talk about. You know, we talk about yeah. our life experiences and, hey, you know, what do you do for a living and things like that. So to, to sit here and just listen to what all you've been through um, up to your your basketball officiating career, that's exactly what the pregame's for. So thanks for sharing all of that with us. We are going to go to our first quarter. I was talking with Matt Kearns the other day. Matt is, of course, the owner of our major sponsor, PQ2 LLC, and he was reminding me that, and this goes for every official, the importance of all of us to continue recruiting officials, while at the same time, maybe refinding ourselves and understanding why we got into officiating. We know part of the reason we officiate is to help that particular official or to be an example for that student athlete, and of course, to continue to build great relationships. That's kind of the theme you'll find with Matt's company, PQ2. It's been around for a while now, and it's always good to be that business, which helps a particular client that recruits new players and also helps with clients' particular needs. Learn more about PQ2 and see how they can help you by going to pq-2.com or calling Matt at 330-888-9448. You can become an official podcast supporter of the High School Basketball Referee with Mark Freilich by visiting anchor.fm backslash mark-freilich backslash support. Find the support link on the show description of this episode or on the description of the podcast on the home section of the podcast. Thank you very much. So in our first quarter, uh, we want to talk a little bit about uh, last season. We want to begin about last season and and talk about three things, I think, from last year. Um, Any interesting or humorous stories from last year's uh, games. Anything maybe you've learned about yourself as a basketball official. And then um, you worked your first final four boys state tournament basketball game last year exciting time for you i'm sure and that's really exciting so i'll have you talk about that as well so first things first any interesting or humorous stories from last season's games well i think you know it it's funny because you know you know in my eighth year now um i haven't done a lot of um of two man you know over the last few years so but you know with the shortage of officials at times and you know, you're able to fill in for a freshman game and stuff like that. You know, I can remember, you know, a, you know, a jump ball during a two man, right? And and I'm tossing, so I toss. Ball gets tipped, going the other way, and my partner stands there, doesn't move. <laughs> so you know, he's like, "Ooh, I forgot we're in two man. I got to hurry up and run to the baseline." <laughs> so you know, those are the things that you kind of take for granted. You know, whenever you're doing three man, and then you got to go back to two man, you have a lot more respect for what the two man used to be, and like and where you used to be at because of the, the coverage areas and different sure. things like that. So, you know, I would say that would be one one of the most humorous things that uh, that we've had happen to us, you know, <laughs> last year with with one of my partners. And then anything you learned last year about yourself as a basketball official? Um, I still get nervous just like anybody else does. Um, you know, from just the opening tip of every game, you know, just those butterflies. You know, I talked to my youngest son about that the other day, you know, when he plays, you know, he's a JD quarterback right now. And, 
talks about how he's, you know, how he gets nervous. And I'm like, you know, I'm 44 years old and <laughs> I'm just officiating basketball games and I get nervous as well. Absolutely. So, you know what I mean? Like, and, and I'm sure, you know, in my old basketball coach, coach A used to always tell us, you're not nervous, you're not normal. So I always take that, you know, in and that man, you know, I really still get nervous about this. Yeah, nerves. There's nothing wrong with those. I'm I'm an old man, and I still I still get nerves, and uh, so it's there's nothing wrong with that. It, it keeps you it keeps you going. It keeps the blood pumping, and, and you're always having um, good. It keeps your thoughts positive. I think, anyways, because you That's know you've right. got a That's job right. to do. Yeah. So, and then finally, talk about your Final Four experience. You know, when you talk about nerves, and that was one of the things I think that Denny had asked at the at the end of our at the end of the game was he says to me he says to all of us, you know how were your nerves? And I'm like, you know, a lot of times in regular games, I'm able to shake those nerves after two or three trips down the court. I never felt comfortable in the game at all. Like (laughs) even when there's a minute left, it was probably a 20 point game, but I still felt that nervous energy going around. Um, But man, what an experience, what a way that they treat you there. Um, You know, from the, the picks with your family before, the picks with your crew before the game, um, just being out there in that facility on that big stage is, you know, is something that you'll always remember and and has my blood flowing to make sure that I try and get back. So um, you've had some great success, obviously, and I think you're entering your ninth year now. Um, how do you? How did you um, make progress in in high school basketball officiating, and what do you think contributed to to your success? Um, I think just really first off is, is working, you know, so, you know, and I'm working summer league games. Um, I'm currently refereeing a, uh, like a youth girls parochial league, you know, so every time that you get a chance to work, you have to work because there's things that we all need to work on, you know, uh, mechanically, like one of the things, you know, I have to get better at and it's crazy is calling fouls with my, my outside out my left hand. You know, it's, I can point that way, but it's amazing how my mind tells me I can't raise my left hand to call foul. <laughs> so it's just, you know, so, you know, those are the things that, you know, when, when we look at it, just in, in listening to the vets and, and taking tidbits, you know, of, of everybody and kind of piecing it together um, and listening to what they have to say. You know, I, I know that, you know, you get some who, you know, they – are worried about the quality of games that they're getting or even the quantity instead of, you know, let's just work what we get and work to be better at what we're getting and the rest will take care of itself. That's all I can control. I can only control the games that I'm on that court that I'm officiating. Now, if I can get that person to recommend me to come back, then we're good to go because it's just going to keep on going that way. Yeah, that's a great point. And I think that's probably one of the experiences you're able to take from your athletic career is taking one game at a time. And it's uh, it kind of carries over to the basketball floor as well. Um, you know, and, and, and you look back at your young career. Um, do you have a mentor? So I so it's kind of I have a handful. Okay. Um, the first one is going to be Mark Joseph, um, who no longer officiates. Um, you know, he, he doesn't officiate anymore, but he's the one that kind of pushed me to get into it. And he's kind of my mentor that I know that he's going to give me the rough truth. And I think that we all have to have those. Exactly. You know, so, so every little thing that I'm doing wrong, if it's not a call that I didn't make it, he's going to make sure that he tells me about it. You know, he's going to tell you, he's going to ask me, you know, why are you doing this? You know, you need to be wider. You need, so he's going to address those things that maybe somebody else 
is not going to do. So, you know, I respect him a lot for that. And he's helped me so much, you know, mechanically and, and all this other stuff to help me along with that. Um, my next one is going to be Pete Brogdon, who's on my board here, you know, who's, who's an, an older vet. Um, he's been my end game one that he and I have done a lot of games with over the last, you know, three, four, five years to where he stays on me about stuff that's in game. You know, I have a bad habit of blowing my whistle twice, like if there's a jump ball. Um, he's re- he's always reminding me that of little things that I, I need to be reminded of in game. Um, and then, you know, then when you look at you know the progression of of moving and advancing, then you you know we got to you know Donnie Giffen has been a huge asset to me um, on that aspect of it, being around him and helping me get a seat at the table. So, you know, if we if we talk about three guys, those are my three level guys that I've leaned on and have helped me so far. So when you look at your group of mentors, um, and I know probably everybody has had this happen to them at some point, but is there ever a time that they said maybe just one specific thing to you and it really stuck with you and really helped your officiating career? Slow down. Yeah. Slow down. Slow yourself down. You know, and that's calls, that's reporting, and they always tell me, you know, the game's not going to go anywhere without you. Just slow down. And still, at times, you know, I can feel myself being a little faster, but I all it just goes back in my head. Just slow down, go to the table, and it tell you to stand in that phone booth, right? Yep. Stand in the phone booth, shoulders back. You know, so so you know, and, and Mark and Mark is the one that told me that um, from day one. Because um, again, you get excited, you're getting up there, you got a nice style call, and you're reporting it, and you're just going too fast. So now you mess up your hand signals, you do all that. So just just slow down, just slow down. I tell you, you can't beat uh, really good mentoring. I think that's just such a critical part in officiating. So I'm glad you're able to have three guys that you can tune into to to get that. And uh, we're not going to slow down here, though. We're going to go on to the second quarter. We'll be right back. Rule 1, Section A, Article 3, in the Project Management Rulebook says trusting your business partner gives you the best chance to launch your new plastics project application. Make PQ2 LLC part of your crew on your next thermoplastic resin application. Call 330-888-9448 and ask for our in-house basketball official and owner, Matt Kearns. So uh, in the second quarter, we talk a little bit about um, just some of the things that we do as officials, especially young officials, and how we can continue to learn. Um, you know, and I think as with any young official um, and veteran officials, you know, we we are bound to have our share of mistakes. Um, what are some of your mistakes that you made earlier in your officiating career that you learned from um, that really kind of molded you into the official that you are today? I would say trying to be too lenient or too calm with the players to where they would walk over that line instead of walking that fine line. Great so point. Giving, Great point. giving too many warnings. Yep. Thinking that they're going to respect me being a younger, in shape official, that I'm going to get that respect. And, you know, it cost me. So, I had to learn that way, you know, as a younger official to where now 
you know, it's more, yes, I'll smile and I do all the things that we need to do to let you know that I'm there to have fun, but to also know that we're going to keep this game under control and I'm not going to embarrass you and you're not going to do anything to embarrass me. Yeah. And, and going along those same lines, when you're, when you're on the floor, um, talk about your approach to the preventative style or preventative aspect of officiating. Um, and like talking to the players, you know, you just talked a little bit about talking to the players, but there's a difference between um, casual talk to the players and, and talking them out of situations during the game or during dead ball time. So how do you approach that in your officiating? And that's, you know, and that's kind of the thing. So in pregame, you know, when, you know, when we talk to in pregame, we talk to the captains, Hey, you know, let's make sure we're keeping our hands off. So, you know, we kind of tell them, you know, Hey, you know, this is your job as captains to make sure that you're telling your, your players that we want to make sure that, you know, we're doing all these little things. So, but as the game's going off, just reminding, Hey, make sure you set on screens at, because, you know, as we're in that position and we're, you know, we have, we're open, we can see these guys coming through. We can kind of see the play developing. So we can kind of give, get set, get set, get set. Because again, for us, we don't want that stoppage, right? We want to kind of keep that thing moving, you know, and we don't want to create an advantage or disadvantage either way. So, you know, kind of, you know, talking them through those things. Um, you know, if there's some pressure on the ball, no hands, no hands, no hands. Now, if it's something that we have to keep on warning three, four times down the court, bam, we got to, we got to hit them with one. And so to get rid of those warnings, um, dead ball situations, Hey, you know, you, you were a little close on that one. Make sure you get your hands off. And, it, and it's really just that, that simple, um, timeout called, you know, if one of the, uh, one of my partners said, Hey, can you tell coach, you know, 23 is, you know, he's getting his leg a little wide on that screen, just go over, you know, and, and I think coaches are very appreciative of that. Right. Oh, no, no question. I think so. You know, yeah. you know, they're appreciative of that. And, you know, and I think that, you know, that is a way that, you know, we kind of keep things moving and we keep kids in the game. And I think that that kind of earns a little respect for us by the players that, Hey, you know, we're not here to penalize them. You know, we're here to, to help and make this game go as smoothly as possible. Yep. And, and, uh, I see on your bio that, uh, your head football coach for, um, seven years at Bel Air High School. So I'm, I'm my, where I'm going with this is that we have to deal with coaches as officials. And so you've had the experience on the football field anyway of dealing with officials. So kind of layering that aspect um, with your current officiating, what, what have you learned um, in your short career that's led to having good relationships with coaches? You know, I look back at myself and I'm like, man, I was a maniac. But, <laughs> you know, I think from the other side of it now, me as an official, is that understanding how much emotion goes involved and, and that's in this, right? You know, there's a lot of time and effort that's put in. So it's emotional. So as long as it's not degrading, I'll listen to you as long as you're not degrading myself or my partners because I understand the emotion that goes into this. Yep. It's just like, you know, if a kid out of frustration, like grabs a ball and like he doesn't slam it up to the ceiling, but he kind of just bangs it off the ground and maybe it slips through his fingers. Hey, 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 you know, I, I know you're upset. Just, you know, relax. So that's kind of the thing for me. Like I, I kind of go with coaches like, you know, coach, are you done? You know, we'll watch what we, what, you know, what we need to watch. You know, I appreciate you, you know, letting us know. So just understanding that I get it, you know, it's emotional, you know, sport athletics are emotional. It's, there's a lot of time invested. So, you know, 
I always tell the coaches, like, if you're not yelling at me, you're not doing your job. I get it. I get it. You know, you're, you're trying to motivate your kids. You're trying to fight for your kids. I understand. It's emotional. 100%. And that is the end of the second quarter. So we will take a quick break. And it's time for halftime. Go get some popcorn or whatever you want to have there. Come back. We're going to go to the third and fourth quarters, followed by the post game, and some really good answers to the five quick decisions. We'll be right back. Exponential results. Longtime Ohio High School basketball official Matt Kearns is owner of PQ2, an engineering thermal plastics for virtually any engineered application is their expertise. They will help you source the right material for every application, including UL-listed, FDA, and NSF-approved resins. Matt and his team are proud of their best-in-class domestic and international supply relationships. When you need specialty resins, they deliver branded, prime-certified materials from the producer. The industry has changed over the years, but one thing has not and that's PQ2's attention to detail, the quality of their products, and the care for those who use their products. Become better acquainted with PQ2 after browsing through their website at pq-2.com and then let them know how they can provide a tailored solution for you. Well, as we uh, begin our third quarter, I think, uh, Jose, as a young official, what suggestions would you offer to fellow young officials in any state, okay, because I know we have more people than just Ohio here, um, about how to go about trying to advance in the postseason. I think it goes back to what I said earlier about, you know, working games, working games and seeing plays. You know, that's that's one. And two, I think one of the most important things is, is get you an honest mentor, an honest one, who's not going to sugarcoat things for you. Who's going to be honest? And he, you know, he or she is going to help you. And again, you know, these are these are tough things, you know, because again, you know, at the end of the day, when you advance and you're doing different things, like it becomes a business. And you know, and and when you're putting a product out there, somebody has to be honest with you, you know, in doing that. So, um, doing those top two things, and then going back to you know showing up and and you know and, and working games, you know. Just work, right, and have great efforts. And I, I don't think that anybody can complain if my effort at getting up and down the court is is great. If I'm showing up to learn um, every chance that I get um, with another veteran official that just wants to talk about different things, and and then obviously just hang out for a quarter of a varsity game or hang out just to watch somebody else. It's not saying you have to emulate them. They just may do something that may stick out to you a little bit. Yeah, that's a, you know that's a big thing, and, and that's something kind of a, a lost art. You know, it's kind of interesting to me because some of the older officials, older than me, uh, recall the days when they used to drive the JV officials to the game. And so, so I, you know, I listened essence, to one of your podcasts, and one of the guys was telling that story. Yeah, and so, you know, it, it goes from that session i guess of or that uh, the way things used to be to uh when i was a jv official we would stay at least till halftime you know we drove separately but we would stay at least till halftime so we could listen to the halftime discussion that they might have and, and maybe pick up a few things to today where it's a struggle to get anybody to stay 
past halftime. If they do, we're really impressed. So it's just a change of times, but you hit the nail on the head as finding that mentor that you can rely on to really give you that honest feedback. I think that's, um, uh, that's, that's huge um, for, especially for the young officials. Um, yes. Yep. And, and also to learn about the game, you know, we talk about things that we need to learn and game management is such a huge, huge part of basketball officiating. Um, and, and a lot of officials, they, they advance because of their ability to manage the game. That's it. Um, yeah. That's so, it. so give me a few examples, if you would, of good game management techniques. Um, you know, one of the things of, you know, with the game management is really, we talked about earlier of the preventative officiating, right? You know, you know, not stopping for things that we can kind of control as we see them happening. Um, you know, the screens, the, the hands, um, and obviously at the end of the day, you know, it's about being consistent at both ends. So that is great game management. You know, if you and your crew are on the same page and we're consistent at both ends, man, that game's going to go smooth. That game's going to, and being able to adapt to the different styles that we may play. I mean, we may have a team who likes to walk it up, be methodical, maybe throw the ball in the post where it's going to be a little bit more physical play. So being able to adjust that aspect of it and evolve, which I think helps an official be able to grow and be able to move on because of their ability to officiate different types of basketball, a team that likes to get up and down or a team that likes to be a little methodical, make seven passes and they're a heavy screening team and different things like that. So, you know, managing the game on that, you know, uh, you know, making sure that we're getting the obvious fouls. When do you make sure we're getting the obvious? When do you think the light bulb went off in your head and and you realized the importance of game management? You know, sometimes you you just go out there and referee the game and say, "Man, I did a you know I did a great job there. I can't wait till I get to the next game." And then something happens where it's like, "I kind of managed that game instead of called called the game." Um, did you recall a time when you you kind of thought, "Wow, that's just kind of what happened"? Um, just working with vets. Yeah. You know, and it could, because they're the ones that are helping you do that, and they're talking you through this at quarter breaks, halftime, pregame. You know what I mean? So you know, that's when you're kind of like, okay, this is how it works, right? Or you know, I'm watching them officiate, and oh, this is how it works. So now you're just managing the game, and then you catch yourself now when you watch games on TV. You're not as much watching basketball anymore. Yeah. You've now become an official watcher. <laughs> That's so true, isn't it? <laughs> it I mean, it, it's amazing. It's absholutely amazing. <laughs> Well, hey, that's the end of the third quarter. We're going to get ready and head to the fourth quarter. We'll be right back. This is Matt Kearns, and I'm honored and proud that PQ2 LLC is sponsoring my very good friend and former co-official Mark Fralick and the High School Basketball Referee Podcast. I love plastics manufacturing and making things happen in the world of engineering, resin, distribution, and compounding. But come on, there's nothing like game night. A packed gym, the place is rocking, and we leave the floor knowing our crew gave the players and coaches our best, right? I truly hope you enjoy these podcasts, and thank you for your continued support of the High School Basketball Referee Podcast and PQ2 LLC. Tonight's tip, 
nobody came to see us officiate, so make sure the kids are the stars on game night. Our fourth quarter, uh, we, we like to implement a rules question. And uh, if you go to, I know you're probably listening on some kind of a podcast platform right now, but if you go to anchor.fm backslash mark-fralich, and that's mark-f-r-o-e-l-i-c-h, um, there is a poll question on there. And it's not going to be this question here. Uh, because he's going to answer it for you. So we're, we've got another poll question there, and uh, it, it's a, it's another rules question. So you can go on and answer that as well. We'll see how many of you answer that correctly. Uh, but this particular question is from Rule 4. Uh, 4.19.7 BA1 is passing the ball to A2 in the team's front court when B2 deflects the pass. Okay, so A1 passes the ball to A2 in the team's front court when B2 deflects the pass. As A2 and B2 are attempting to retrieve the loose ball, A2 illegally pushes B2 from behind and a foul is ruled. Team B is in the bonus. So what happens? Does Team B, uh, are they awarded bonus free throws because they're in the bonus? Or, answer B, are no free throws awarded as this is a team control foul and B2 is awarded a designated spot throw-in nearest the spot. This is going to be B. So it almost ends up being almost like a player control or legal screen of something in that sense. And, and if I'm explaining it correctly there, um, with because of, the, you know, we're still going to stay, that we still have team control yeah. when that ball is inbounds. Very good. Yeah, right. that, that one's, a you know, in the heat of the moment and the fast pace of the game, we really got to be on our toes to make sure we um, that, that we can distinguish, uh, distinguish that when that happens in a game. And it gets missed. I've seen it get missed. Uh, I've missed it myself. And so yep. it's, uh, it's good but to be I, able to revisit the, the stuff tricky, like this. The tricky part of that is the deflect word, right? It deflects. So Correct. you think that there's no team possession anymore because it's deflected. So there's no team control anymore. Right. Yep. So, hey, coming into the season, uh, it's a new season. You just had a great season last year. Do you find yourself setting goals for yourself uh, before each season? Every time. Um, You know, things whenever I – like I'll go back and I'll watch film from last year and figure out things that I need to get better at. And, again, I just told you, I have to figure out a way to call fouls with my outside arm and my left hand. Um, still continue to work on standing tall. I, you know, my posture is bad. I've been trying to work on my posture to where I can stand up taller and tighten my core. So those are two things that I already know going into this year that I have to be better at. You're a former professional sport athlete, dude. <laughs> what do you need to stand up taller for, you know? <laughs> Have you seen anything scary on the basketball floor? Oh man, you know, in my fourth or fifth year, I had a, you know, I had, I had a fight. Oh no. Um, yeah. So well, let's hear about you know, that. That's one of the, that's one of the things that you know that haunts me daily, mm. and you know that's the reason that I've kind of changed my ways of being a little bit more stern with the kids. Of you know, let's not, let's not embarrass each other here. Let's make sure that we have control of this. You know, I've only given up two technicals in my career. And that was so I gave out one early in that game, but obviously didn't control it enough. And, um, you know, that 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 obviously was my biggest fear and it came to fruition. And 
you know, it's one that I wish I could take back. But again, it, 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 I hated that it happened, but it helped me. It helped me a lot. Could you feel it brewing during the game? I mean, is that... Yeah, because it was one of the things to where, you know, it was just a chippy game. It was a chippy game. It was on a small court. Um, fans were on the court. It was tight. And it's one of the things to where, like, when you're with some... Vet, like, I, I was a like fourth-year guy, fifth-year guy, and I'm with some seasoned veterans. Mm-hmm. And I think that we've all been in a position before to where I'm with seasoned veterans... I'm not the one that kind of has to take control of this. Somebody else is going to manage this situation. And it just didn't come that way. Um, You know, so, and again, you know, that's what I had to learn that it's not always the veteran guy who has to be the leader of the crew. And I think a lot of times that, you know, younger guys bring so much value than what they think that they do, but they think that because, you know, I'm a six year guy working with a 19th and 21st year guy, that you know i'm just the peon of the group in which your value is so much to the crew and everybody has to understand that and do their part that's a great point because we're a team out there and everybody has to contribute and that that it really is that's a solid solid point we have just been through all four quarters we're going to go to the post game in a little bit as you've heard in this podcast many times many officials say that the relationships within the community of basketball officials is a huge reason why they take um, the floor each and every game year after year. PQ2 LLC, they bring that same passion that you have in the locker room to every client relationship they've built over the years. PQ2 is proud to be the thermoplastics resins company that dares to be different. Call Matt Kearns at 330-888-9448 and ask what makes PQ2 LLC different. So I'm really interested in this in this portion because we always save the post game and we talk about how it's great to have basketball officials be able to enjoy each other and have time with each other. And boy, you know, you've had that brotherhood all along. I mean, with your extensive sports career, you've had it in basketball and football, professional, college. I mean, that's a special brotherhood. Have you been able to experience that? at the level of of basketball officiating yet and we've just kind of kicked it back in now you know one of the things before i'd even got into officiating when mark joseph used to always tell me about it like they'd go out to eat and do all these different things and i'm like man i'm not an athlete anymore but i want to be a part of that like yeah. I, I, those are the things that i want to do so you know after covid we kind of on friday nights we have a place over here in weird west virginia route 22 sports bar that's kind of where we've kind of like sent out a group message. Hey, come over after your Friday night game. We're going to have some drinks and have some food, kind of hang out and talk and, and kind of go over your games and, and things like that. So we've kind of kicked that back off. Uh, we started golfing a little bit this year as oh, a group. Um, so, you know, those are things that, man, as a former athlete, you know, in missing those team camaraderie things and now being able to be a part of this, this is what I signed up for. I signed up for this type of stuff. Yeah, and it really underscores the value of having mentors and friendships and and great colleagues and and because we need each other, uh, especially yeah, in, especially in today's uh, you know the way the way things are in today's world, you know. And and with your job, um, you're you're employed by the Jefferson County ESC as at the uh, alternative school located in uh, Steubenville. So when you look at officiating, there's there's plenty that officials gain 
um, from from it professionally. I guess did did you witness that with officiating? Um, do you witness that your your professional job is um, uh, really better because of the things you learn in officiating? Um, yeah, just, you know, and obviously dealing with kids, right. I'm dealing with kids at school. I'm dealing with kids on the court. Um, so, you know, those go hand in hand. Um, some of the connections that I've made, you know, of, of filling in for crews that are educators, being able to talk to them and different strategies and stuff that they use. So again, you talked about pregame talks, you know, it's not always about basketball. It's about life stuff, the different things that go on. So again, just having the ability to listen. And you just pick up on things here and there professionally. Boy, you know, that last question, Jose, I was actually going to pause it and re-edit it because I was fumbling all over the place. So hopefully this one will be a little better um, for the post game. But um, you're married um, with two children. And, uh, you know, that we all know how officiating um, really is is uh, a part of, of our lives that, uh, unfortunately, our spouses and kids uh, can't be a part of all the time because of our travel schedule. So um, talk a little bit about family life and how you've been able to balance that life between home and officiating life. Well, I think just, you know, when you're not officiating, you're not officiating. And I think it's the best way to do it. Um, you know, if you kind of give that small window of time that I have to get better, you know, and being able to watch film or do whatever, but kind of leaving that then and there. Um, having two boys and being able to contribute to what their interests are, which obviously their interests are athletic. So being able to have my time there with them to help them continue to grind and get better. Um, you know, the wife, if she wants to go out to grab a eat, bite to eat, you know, we make sure that you know, she has my schedule. She knows when I'm off. She knows what's available for us to be able to do. And, you know, and we, and, and, you know, again, you know, we all know this as, as, you know, coaches, as referees, if it wasn't for an understanding spouse and children, we wouldn't be able to do this, right? Because they understand the time and efforts that we have to put in Sunday meetings, you know, that we, that we have to go to for our meetings and different things like that, you know, and you talked about the travel. And, and so, you know, we even invite her out when we, when we go to golf, and we're meeting, you know, we're going to go grab a bite to eat afterwards. I'll text her, hey, you want to meet us here? So, you know, that's a way that we're able to work that that family time in as well. That's great. And for everybody that's listening, probably one thing that they can take away from this in family life is communication. I mean, that's really yes. the, you really got to be able to communicate to get things accomplished. And, and obviously you've got that down to a science. So that's, that's great. Um, that's the end of the post game. Five quick decisions are next. I think you're going to like these a lot. We'll be right back. When a coach or player acknowledge your effort at the end of a contest, it can make the difference between a fun ride home or one where you're questioning every call you made in total silence. In business, it's no different when the customer values your performance and takes the time to let you know. Visit www.pq-2.com forward slash about to read customer testimonials and then call us at 330-888-9448 to discuss your next plastic application needs. Never ride home wondering if you made the right call. Always uh, my favorite part of the podcast is the five quick 
decisions, answers, because there's a lot of different stories that come out of these. But uh, you had talked about when we were talking about the brotherhood and sisterhood of officiating that uh, you said, yeah, we get to go out to eat and you always look forward to doing that. And, and you know, when it comes to food, obviously, that's uh, that's always a good thing. And, and afterwards, um, we find good places to eat. But what is the best food that you've had at one of your games, whether it's food at the concession stands or food at the schools that they brought to you after the game? Well, the one that stands out to me the most is uh, I did a game at New Philadelphia High School um, just last year. And um, I have a major sweet tooth, major. And they brought out this brownie. And <laughs> it was just unbelievable. So that was the thing that stood out to me the most. I'm always one of those ones that looks at the dessert menu before the regular menu. <laughs> so when they brought that brownie out... It was heaven on earth at that point in time. <laughs> oh, I got a big sweet tooth also. I got to tell you, I'm, I'm right up there. So I'm, I'm thinking, when you say brownie, I'm thinking how thick is the frosting? That's that's really... Uh, but, but not only the frosting, but the brownie was just thick. It almost <laughs> seemed like it was one of the ones made at a, uh, you know, a bake sale or something like that. Oh, yeah. It's just thick. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> All right, question two. Talk about one game that you will always remember officiating and why it's a remembrance. I mean, obviously, you know, being able to do a state final, um, you know, it, 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 at a point in my career now at such a young time, um, it was, was something that I'll never forget, you know, the facilities being on Dayton arena floor, um, and being out there in that environment is something that at this point in time, it's definitely a game that I'll never forget. What's the weirdest, funniest, or most unusual thing that you've witnessed while officiating at a high school basketball game? Um, I would probably say he year four or five for me. It's me, right? I'm the youngest guy on the crew. Okay. I'm with two wily vets. I told you Pete Brogdon <laughs> and I'm with Wayne Ogilvy. Two vets. You know, you're talking fifteen, twenty plus years. Obviously I'm the young guy, so they make me the R. Yep. So I toss. We probably went two or three trips up and down the court where the teams were going to the wrong hoop. Oh, no. We ended up being ah. fortunate enough to where there were no buckets scored, that the ball just ended up being going out of bounds, and then we realized, like, oh, we've been going the wrong way the whole time. <laughs> so we were able to get it corrected and, you know, whatever. But, again, you know, those are the things that happen. You yeah. know, you kind of get those brain farts and everything, all these body parts are moving and – so that's one there that yeah, we make sure that we pregame. Hey, let's make sure that we're going to go the right way. Yeah, you're so fortunate <laughs> that no points were scored. That's fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> I like this story. You told you clued me in on this one. Recall the funniest thing or something that you'll always remember about one officiating partner. So, doing a game last year, and you know we're dressing, and you know, and, and we're actually at like a, a holiday tournament. So there's other officials in there or whatever, and we're all in there just shoot, just shooting the crap, you know, just in there just talking or whatever. And I look up, and the guy has a onesie on, <laughs> and I'm sitting here looking like you're wearing a you're wearing a onesie. Like, is this real life? Like, these officials really do this? You actually asked so, him that? So, no, I just kind of just looked at him, <laughs> and I'm like. I mean, I don't judge. Like, if that makes you feel better in your uniform, then then so be it, you know. So I tell one of my golfing buddies, like, hey, you know, I, 
is this real thing? Like, you know, guy, you guys wear onesies, you know, I, I'm new to this. You guys have been this longer. So lo and behold, my buddy gets me a onesie for a state final <laughs> prank. So I have this onesie laying around the house that my wife's been tossing around from room to room because I'm like, I'm not wearing that thing. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Uh, last question. <laughs> What is the funniest thing a player, coach, or a fan has ever said to you? <laughs> oh, geez, there's a long list of these ones, right? Yeah. Um, so two years ago, I'm going a, a sectional game, and then it happened again in a regional game. Now, obviously, I'm from Bel Air, Ohio. Yep. Um, that's where I played my high school athletics. And the funniest thing I always get from everybody is when they don't like a call that I make or they don't like real labels. And for me, I stand out a little bit more. So I'm a little bit more well-known. So people tend to scream my name a little bit more. And the funniest one I always get is Jose, go back to Bel Air. Wow. And I'm like, I haven't been there since 1996. Like, what are we doing here? Like, <laughs> you know, it, it's been a long time since I've been there, but you know, it's, you know, so, you know, but that's always the funniest thing that I get. I just smile. I just laugh. <laughs> you know, it's all you can do. Yeah, that is. No, that's great stuff. Hey, I thank you very much for being part of the podcast. You put up with uh, my voice struggles uh, for the episode. I appreciate that. And thank you listening uh, also. Um, I know it's a, a little bit of a struggle, but uh, it'll get better with every episode, I promise. But, uh, Jose, thank you very much. Best of luck this year on an, another great officiating career. And uh, being on the podcast, I just can't thank you enough. I appreciate you having me on. Remember that there is a one-question quiz on the Spotify platform of the podcast. This week's question is, what type of foul is committed when, during a dead ball period, A1 taunts B1? Again, what type of foul is committed when, during a dead ball period, A1 taunts B1? And again, you can answer that question on the one question quiz on the Spotify platform of the podcast. And that closes another episode of the high school basketball referee with Mark Freilich podcast. Thank you for taking the time to listen to the episode. I hope you were able to learn a little bit more about the official that we just heard Jose Davis. And also that I hope you're able to collect a few tips to help your officiating career until next time, have a great day. And remember to be inspired daily by reading Mark chapter 1, verse 11.